This is SideQuest Completed, the Hoppiest Game Dead podcast with your hosts Calvin and JC, coming to you every Wednesday with encouragement and advice on making your game a reality. Yo, yo, yo! That's not what I meant. Let's go that out. Hello. Never. Ah. Hello, welcome back to SideQuest Completed here on Sunday, July 5th, post-holiday. You're still ringing from way too many fireworks. I didn't mean way too many fireworks like on my block, on my urban city block. My entire neighborhood has been setting off fireworks all night long, every night, the entire week. Yeah, so real uh, PSA, don't set off fireworks in cities, or really anywhere that's not far removed from civilization. Um, poop dog, people with PTSD, etc. would greatly appreciate it. You don't, so thank you. Alright, I'm getting back to game dev. So you're talking about Bonsai games, a term either was recently introduced to or recently made up, we're using to describe a certain kind of game. I don't want to call it a genre, but an element in certain games. Think of it in terms of bonsai trees, very tiny trees that people raise from seedlings, very small size, very slowly over long periods of time, grooming them carefully, uh, sometimes for decades, 100 years plus while still being a little bit of a microcosm. Uh, for purposes of this discussion, I would probably use uh, SimCity or City Skylines as one example, because you start off with an empty location, add some buildings, there's some feedback there, slowly grow things up. There's no not necessarily any goal to it. You can keep going endlessly as long as you like, and there's meaningful persistence over time. So I would like I say, Bejeweled Endless Mode, or other puzzle game Endless Mode, as not a bonsai game, because your pieces might be moving around, but there's not like a meaningful history there. It's just a new start state from any point. Whereas something like Animal Crossing is a perfect example, because not only can you only grow, uh, grow it so fast, outside of time travel and cheating, um, takes time for stuff to happen. Trees have to grow over a certain period of times. Certain things are in season or out of season. They're expected to play it at a certain pace and enjoy it casually. The idea of power gaming, despite some people online, is generally anathema to that kind of a setup and to many bonsai games in general. Though people enjoy power gaming for its own sake, good on them. Uh, other examples I got from online acquaintance, uh, Eli Dupree. Uh, Mini Vetro in this mode comes to mind. Uh, Concrete Jungle, which I haven't played, but sounds appropriate. Um, even some levels of Opus Magnum they referenced. Um, Calvin, how about you? There is a couple... It's a game I found rather recently that I, I would love to mention as this, but I can't remember the name of, which is a really terrible one to bring up. Um <laughs> Terra Nil, that's it. It's a Terra Nil. It's yeah. It's um, it feels a little like a very simplified SimCity, but the goal is to increase the amount of nature and nature diversity in the world. Um, it starts oh, off especially of with yeah. Um, and this well, okay. There's there's two things, two variables. I don't know how. That I, I'd be curious how you think they apply. So the first is um scale so bonsai uh, 
as a you know the bonsai trees, one of the obvious qualifiers of that is that they're tiny. Yep. So, do you consider that to be at all applicable to apply when you, when you apply them to games? You know, so um, for example, would Factorio be a bonsai game or not because of its huge scale compared to many other games? You can essentially build an infinite, infinite factory world in that, you know, way way beyond a anything you consider concise or that you could even capture in your head at one time. Um, and the other variable is time. You know, you talked a lot about ones that you can play over time. I, I would counter that and say that the games that I would feel I could call a bonsai game, there's plenty that are not long-term that might not even have a save. And this one Terranil that I would offer up as an example, um, is perfect. Each play is only like 10 or 15 minutes, but, it still captures that same feeling in small bite-sized chunks, which I think is uh, is still valid and changes maybe the definition of bonsai game. But I think that that's necessary to capture a sort of feeling that they all carry, despite the details of how they get there. Yeah, I would say that sounds like one end of a spectrum. Just recognizing bonsai games is, as far as I know, a new term. So it's definitely going to be very fuzzy edges. Mm-hmm. And not to mention it being just a term made up term, all genres are fake, especially literary genres. Uh, haha. So there being fuzzy lines is inevitable. So yeah, I'll say that kind of falls towards one end of a spectrum. Whereas something like Mountain, where you just watch a floating island accrete stuff. And that's the entirety of the barely interactive gameplay, and you can have that running in your background for years, would be the other end of that spectrum. I would also like to include the creature series of games as Ooh, yeah. some old bonsai games. You know, those are something that you can just leave alone and just watch. They act just as a terrarium if you don't interact with them. Well, actually, that's a really good comparison. Like, how close is the game to one of those sort of nature spheres I've seen, where it's a sphere of glass or other shape that's an entire ecosystem within, needing really only sunlight from the outside to persist for a long time? That would be one end of the bonsai spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Because there are definitely... Um, there's a lot of games that that, that hit that point where they play themselves. Um, uh, you know, where you even question, does this count as a game? Or at least many people will. And I think that's totally valid. Um, or where the interaction is optional. Um, and uh, that's... I, I feel like that still fits the bonsai, even though it's interesting to remove the element of the care and uh, creation over time, which is also kind of a and a really important part of the bonsai tradition, which is, you know, the effort that goes into it. So the fact that you can take that away. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I now realize that I can, in my head, imagine what a bonsai game is. And I can imagine that as an idea, even though I can imagine that not requiring either the long time scale or the effort or uh, engagement at all, or the size scale, whether or not it's concise or infinite in size so the three things that really you think of as qualifying as a bonsai small taken care of over a long period of time those three things i could remove and still see something as a bonsai game 
which makes me unable to actually define what it is that exactly makes it. And yet it still feels right. Yeah. I think if you move to all three of those, you might not really have a Fonse game. You might have like a other kind of tree game. Like you have like a great oak game, one where it just gets big and expansive over time, whether you're there or not, as long as it's getting enough sunshine and carbon dioxide. Um, if it's like a really short game, it's almost like a, or you can almost call it like an herb guarding game where it's small, quick, you get your satisfaction from it in a short time frame, but you're still growing and pruning it one way or another. Yeah. So that's like different F- axes would be a fair triangle. They'd be like the uh, big red oak, whatever I called it. Um, the uh, herb garden and then the self-contained terrarium. And Bonsai Game would be kind of in the middle there. I mean, I still think that you can, just like you said, genres are made up, and this is a metaphor after all. I think even if you remove all the qualifiers or, you know, like, you don't have to find alternate labels for the things that don't quite meet the right requirements. Um, I feel like it's pretty flexible. All of our genres are pretty flexible. And I feel comfortable adding the, the bonsai label to something that's the size of an oak tree. Yeah. Yeah, I think about like people's gardens where they have like large trees and other plants they've groomed into a certain shape. Like uh, that's what we're looking for. Not terrarium, uh, topiary. Yeah. But it's things yeah, for example yeah, yeah. we talked about. Um like Animal Crossing, for example, the game can kinda of play itself, but it'll get messy and overgrown very quickly, in this case literally, if neglected for too long. You lose villagers you would have rather kept get one smoothie in you rather not like um so forth so there's that little bit of creation trimming maintenance comes into the game um was it uh, you mentioned factorio if you had the enemy units which by the way the ones who lived there first uh it's their planet uh, if they're attacking regularly if you don't do something to maintain that or seek out new resources to exploit you're going to your system's going to shut down after a while so if we had to do a very hard tight definition of bonsai games for purposes of discussion i probably want to include that maintenance component was necessarily have to be maintained to persist the same way you can neglect a bonsai tree for a while it's just not Mm -hmm. going to be recognizable or fun to work with the longer you neglect it the same time if you overwork it you might kill it same way if you like constantly trimming your bonsai tree, you might kill it. If you overwork your Animal Crossing village, you're going to get bored of it. Or if you're like, like, I have too much money in Animal Crossing and I have a lot less reason. I keep forgetting to buy turnips because there's no point in it. So I, I think we spent about 10 minutes talking about what a bonsai game is. And we've you know talked a bit about some of the ones that we, we know or enjoy that fit that qualifier. Um, but we probably need to get into, you know, if we're going to talk about a particular type of game or what makes the game genre, uh, we should talk a little bit about the side of making it or what, you yeah. know, our thoughts about making them. Um, for example, yeah. um, have you made any attempts at making this kind of game? Are there any plans or ideas you have that you would like to pursue? Or whether or not you have any specific project or, or idea, is there just something about making them that you 
would be drawn to or would like, or or maybe it's a game that you want to play. Um, but like every type of game we might talk about, we could also say, this is something I'd like to play, but I have no interest in making it. And I'm not sure which side you fall on. So what do you think? All right. So as you're talking about that, I realized there are two different definitions for bonsai in the context of game development. There's the development of a bonsai game, and then there's the bonsai development of a game. First one we just talked about. Second one is the way you go about the craft of starting small, adding small space, adding small amounts at a slow pace in generally accreting or allowing it to naturally develop over a long period of time. Basically the opposite of crunching on a game to make sure it gets out in time for E3. Mm-hmm. And I, I would like to posit that while, especially with the shared label, those can be combined in a conversation if you, if you felt that need. Yeah. I think that they are both separate enough and also that would be an important enough discussion on its own oh, yeah. that um i think we should keep to the bonsai games and uh-huh. you know yeah and i would actually like to talk another time like every episode we come up with more topics you know that idea of working on a game essentially forever you know the the bonsai development side would be like if you were making your own dwarf fortress exactly that's what i was going to use as an example yep uh, yeah, so even Minecraft started that same way. It was um, Hatsune Miku's, like, fun to play around with. That's a joke, by the way. Um, but I actually covered both definitions when it came to the recent Bitter Jam. It started off as a little simulation game, so self-contained, almost a terrarium in terms of units couldn't move around. It was only self-contained food that grew on its own, and the creatures that ate it on their own. And that was sort of outside influence beyond the little bit of interaction the player had. So kind of a bonsai genre thing itself, because there was no particular goal beyond keeping the creatures alive. And you had a lot of freedom to just curate and sort of trim up your little game as you liked it. And with a jam over, it starts being a crunchy game development experience, it turns into a more bonsai experience. I would just poke at it a little bit on a given day, spend maybe a couple hours if I was feeling inspired and had a free time. But otherwise, just treating it as a, I won't say a passion project, as much as a pleasure pro, uh, project. Doing it. That's an interesting distinction. I, I like that. Yeah, it's like, I don't feel, I feel a little bad. I haven't worked on it more lately, but it's not like, Anthrotari, where there's a I will finish this game and get it out even if it takes a while. If the bitter turnips slash sweet turnips project never goes anywhere, that's fine. Because it was just an excuse to do rest game dev and to enjoy very small game projects that I can see playable in the space of a couple hours. Yeah, it's definitely I think it's good to have those kind of games that you, you work on for the for the pleasure, like you said, the difference between passion and pleasure. Um, so, the game, you know, as a, as a bonsai game, from what I could tell of your your bitter jam game so far, it definitely meets the criteria of size and scale, right? So right now, that's a pretty small thing. If you continue to work on it, do you feel like that's a sort of terrarium kind of game that you could expand? Uh, you know, because I I do wonder how long can you work on a game like this. Uh, without making it larger, right? So our yeah. canonical example of the bonsai development side of it would be 
uh, Dwarf Fortress. And in scale to the 10 plus years that it's being developed so far, it is enormous. And the amount of complexity and systems within it is mind boggling. Um, Could you work on a game long term and not do that? You know, maybe not that scale, but could you work on it long term without its size scaling with the time? I suppose if you focused a lot on getting it exactly right, not just in terms of breadth and depth simulation, but accuracy of simulation, like instead of having your character's speed be 2.5 game units, you get it to be 2.47910032, because you got the crunch down so crunchy, that could count. In terms of just simulation, like the effectiveness and is like the efficacy of the simulation, like how good it is at being an enjoyable game. If you want to get that really exacting, that can count. Mm-hmm. That's also a lot of the iteration you can do presentationally. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think of how Dwarf Fortress doesn't have graphics. Yeah. Um, doesn't know. So, well, somebody else made those. Yeah. Um, and then I think of um, a game like Fez, which, while it might not be a bonsai game, I use that only as an example because. Uh, through the course of the many years it took to develop by the one developer, he redid the entire sprite set for the entire game three times completely. Whoa, uh, you know, working on getting it just right. And I can see how that that would be like Bonsai development for a non-Bonsai game from, from that perspective. And, and definitely a game that you work on long term, that's something you could really, you know, tweak over time. There's also the new skills that you pick up. Yeah. So sometimes... Uh, a, a bonsai game that, from your development standpoint, might be uh, the vehicle for you to explore ideas, to practice new skills. Uh, a lot of these projects might be ones that you don't really share, or that if you do, it's not to the same kind of fanfare as a game that you're really trying to build up, hype for, and release. Uh, so it might be, you know, something that is just sort of this this vessel for all, all of these different ideas and practices that you want to explore. I'd have to double check the history myself, but I think Stardew Valley might fall in this umbrella. We talked about the developer's journey in the book, Ultra Learning, which uses Stardew Valley's development as an example. It seemed to fall very much in that space of, it was both curating, they were both curating the game experience and the process and their own skills. Like they focused on sprite development when it came time to improve the sprites, focused on programming skills when it was appropriate, and slowly built the game over time. Though it mm-hmm. was a little goal oriented in terms of the that they wanted to make a better Harvest Moon, the one that met their nostalgia. But the game itself also is like you have to manually advance time, I think, for the most part. No, you can, it clock goes whether you play or not. And so yes. stuff keeps happening in the world to some degree or another, just as long as the game is running. And when we say game is running, we mean, well, I mean, either literal clock time or turn advancement. Real time or not real time. Yeah, Stardew Valley is definitely one that qualifies for um, Banzai on both the, the player and developer side, and, a, and it would be a fantastic example Maybe a little more balanced than Dwarf Fortress, even because of the, uh, you know, how, how it captures many more aspects of the development process. Yeah. Um, I could, you know, that 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 game I think is the 
is that the first game or the first major game that the developer even made? Like, it's something he started while learning, and you can tell that from earlier builds, especially like with the sprites. And so, it it sort of captures that trajectory of of his of his learning, curating and, and or, or caring for those skills like you would a bonsai tree and growing them in that. In that context. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. It didn't come up earlier on for some reason, but I think it definitely should have because it is definitely one that, that meets all the, the criteria, I think. Um, so I I would love... I, w- I wanted to, to answer the... Do you have uh, a project or idea for a game like this for myself? Um, which is that I would love to have from the development standpoint, a, yeah. a bonsai project. Um, but one aspect of it, especially if you take the the, the timeline uh, qualifier, you know, something you work on for a long time, always building on top of and iterating, is that it, it requires, um, it does require a type of commitment if you do intend it to be something that you work on for a very long time. Yeah. Um, not just because it may take a lot of time, but because that's time you're not, spending on something else right so um i i could see there's two places i'd love to build which is one i'd love to make a huge sprawling simulation based roguelike mm. and the other side is i'd love to make a um craft heavy uh terraria or um uh, or star or uh, yeah terraria type side scrolling crafting uh game you know to build adventures in um and then there's a third which is i'd love to make something like a simulated world of farmers and towns and um economy that an rts would take place inside of but that Mm. i would work on just sort of as as the engine of the world just sort of plugging along on its own until building a game on top of at some point and those are all three ideas i like the idea of exploring but that i can't do all three of so the thing that that I have to look at is I can only do one like I could make three small games like any of those, but I can't do three bonsai games like those, or at least three development bonsai games like those. Yeah, it's too much I, attention. I, yeah, so there is an amount of not just commitment but um, turning down other options and other ideas that yeah. are required. Um, like any skill that you hone uh, over a lifetime, that means dedicating time and energy and, and pieces of yourself that you don't put to other things. You know, so always, yeah. It's like if you're going to make a, if you're going to be a bonsai style game development project, it's probably going to be to exclusion of watching that next episode on Netflix or playing another hour of that video game. Uh, or come home from the bar an hour earlier, so on and so forth. But yeah, like one thing we forget, especially under capitalism, is that we're not required to be productive constantly in everything we do. There's no great monetary value of a given bonsai tree, especially if it's not too standard or mm-hmm. whatnot. But if, if it's something you find fulfilling and enjoyable for its own creative sake, like a fulfillment of the crafting instinct or drive, then that's perfectly suitable for bonsai game project or bonsai style game development. 
the the hurdle slash plan that I'm facing right now is yeah. that there's there's many non-bonsai games that I would like to complete that I've either started or that are important in my head. Mm-hmm. And I and I thought about this over the last few episodes, you know, have picked up some games that I didn't finish in the past, and I'm trying to sort of work through those and get these things done. And part of that plan is that once I get these finite games out of the way, once I'm I can call those all done and I can move past them without having abandoned them, that's when I feel I would be ready to take on what would be more of an infinite project, you know, the, the opposite of those concise things, which would be one of these bonsai projects, um, which also gives me a delay in making a decision of what I commit a decade to, which I would, I would love to do that. I would love to, to start something that I work on for that long. Um, but I have the, the excuse right now to avoid that decision of, and to avoid that commitment to a, a real long-term project by getting through this backlog of smaller ideas first. Yeah. So you're just saying no to the Banzai game deliberately because you have enough guesses on your plate already. Yeah, and because I know that as much, I would absolutely love to take on some of the, the long-term ideas I have, but there's no way I could do that and still finish the projects that have already been on my plate and put back on the back burner. And I don't want another 10 years to go by not completing those, which is about the time I've spent working on these on and off on these different game ideas. You know, all that time I spent not releasing games, but working on things on the side. And so as much as I would enjoy one of these projects, it, it has to, it has to, uh, be a lower priority for now. Yeah. It's a very important point is that bonsai genre slash bonsai game dev style is definitely not a value judgment so much as just one more way of approaching a game project. You definitely want to avoid crunch for its own sake because it can be so damaging both to your body and to your enjoyment of the game and often makes for a subpar product if you're making a product versus an experience. Um, but there's no requirement that you work or necessarily even a recommendation per se that you work at a slower pace you might feel comfortable with. Though, if you treat it as a good meditative exercise that has some intrinsic health benefits. Yeah, it's like maybe a really good way of recentering yourself as a game dev or as a creator in general is finding a game dev experience that's just meditative, reflective, relaxing, that gets you into a good flow state that isn't as still challenging without being taxing. And that's a good space to mm-hmm. get into every so often. Even just like half an hour a day might be really enjoyable, especially over time. So I guess the bonsai game, you don't necessarily have to commit to 10 years. You might just commit to half an hour a day or two days or two hours on a Saturday once a week or make no strong commitment whatsoever. But as long as you're poking at it periodically enough to keep it alive in your brain, metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. that really is plenty. That's a good point. And you know, while I have avoided um, committing time into it, it's not something I have to necessarily commit time to if it has no deadline and no timeline. Um, and it, especially if I embrace the idea that it also is sort of like this, as I said, a, a vessel for practice and skills and, and ideas that uh, maybe you don't 
to have another game to apply them to. Um, you know, a bonsai game can often, while they can be concise, they can also be very open-ended. Yeah. Um, and not everything you put in them has to stay in them. So they work really well as a place to try things out um, in an actual existing project where, you know, sometimes it's um, not really effective to try to practice a new thing or learn a new thing by building something from scratch. Um, because when you're doing that, you're not really learning how to integrate it into existing ideas or you get distracted by all the shiny newness of the of the project. Oh, yeah. um, so having something that just sort of acts as that bottle to build ships in is uh is is important and useful on its own and it doesn't so require a huge commitment i'll try to fix that later that's better okay that's normal now yeah i was gonna say I, like I, uh, I, think I just started to get tired and and lean down while i was talking i empathize uh, i was gonna say my sweet turnips uh project very much fits into that space i mentioned earlier in the podcast i got very excited to use a midi controller to adjust the crunch of a game. And I used that as an excuse in turn to make a new game under the Sweet Turnips prototype setup, in all different genre, in this case, uh, shoot 'em up, just as an excuse to learn MIDI controller integration with Rust and without any expectation it would turn into a resellable game. And that was quite enjoyable. I got to have that satisfaction of a successfully built thing um, with little, if any, of the external pressures that often make it unenjoyable. So kind of like building a doghouse without being expected to go into the dog, um, doghouse building business. It's like, my dog is happy, and that is all as much house as I need to build. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't have a. I I just I could not think of anything to say. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's a very con, like self-contained statement. It was a terrarium of observations. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, this one game, one book I want to recommend in this context. I haven't read it myself, but it's been brought to my attention incessantly over the years. It's called Finite and Infinite Games by James P. Cars. And I understand it to be intrinsically very important read and also very relevant, not just because it has games in the title, but it talks about these different kinds yes. of metaphorical games. Like, are you playing for the long term or for the short term? And that's very relevant the distinction to world circumstances and politics and other things. And there's a lot to inform one's own project uh, preferences. I will check that out, and I'll include uh, like every other game and book that we've mentioned uh, a link for more details in the show notes, and I will check that one out myself and add it to the long list of books you've recommended that I haven't read yet. Oh, don't talk, don't I, my own list is so long. Some recommended books that could be a good episode title for uh, for later is just book and media recommendations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, next time we once we've actually read. <laughs> Yeah. So anything else you want to cover on the bonsai topic for now? Um, I, I think that we've tangentially mentioned, but I would like to explicitly mention that a lot of times um, they can be good mentally um, yeah. as far as, um, you know, we talked last, last week about uh, making games for games sake. And 
this is very, especially the development side of this, is very closely tied to that because, oh, yeah. um, as much as we love making games, it's inevitable uh, to often tie that to some external driver that can sometimes uh, corrupt the the enjoyment of it. You know, so deadlines and building a business. Um, you know, we're not doing all of those things um, in our position as side game dev hobbyists. You know. But we definitely, um, any, anything you share is going to create those external uh, things. One, um, one benefit to a bonsai project is providing that place, like you've mentioned before, about passion versus pleasure projects, a place where you can explore and enjoy the game dev development process just because you love doing it and removing those external pressures. Uh, and sometimes, as as people who really like developing, just because it's a fun thing to do, but then we do it for our job, and then we turn our hobby into a business, we can run out of ways that we can explore that thing that we really like doing without creating some negative pressures and energies onto it. Um, it's like the book writer who can't trouble reading a book for fun anymore. And mm-hmm. is constantly breaking down the writing to analyze it. And I, I, I would also like to extend that and, and mention while you know we're focusing this conversation on, on games, it definitely can apply to a lot of other uh, development projects. Definitely, yeah, um, yeah um, I, I'll try to keep it at least within topic of development and say, you know, whatever the kind of things you like to build are, having something that you tinker on over time because it's something you just like to do, uh, I think is really healthy for for a developer. Uh, for yeah. the type of developer who does code outside of work, which you don't have to do at, at yeah, all, but if fair. if it is what you like doing, if you if you program because you like to do it and would do it if it wasn't your job, this is the kind of thing that can give you that that avenue to uh, to still enjoy it, which can be important for avoiding burnout um, and important for remembering the inherent pleasure you have for the craft rather than just whether or not it got you a raise whether or not your game got picked up on steam and got good sales um so i, I think that's really important to remember and, and yeah. these kind of games capture a lot of the things that you would need from that kind of project it's a great way to get into game dev too like you mentioned Stardew valley might have been one of the first projects from that developer um but if you want to have a good positive first experience with game dev then doing a slow pace, gradual game development experience is a great way to get into that and still find it pleasurable and then want to come back. Like game jams are good for some people because they get to see something done right away. Whereas people who aren't necessarily into a 72 hour super crunch might find much more enjoyment or if they did not, if they failed to enjoy a game jam and thought that ruined game dev for them, they could, Try it again with a bonsai kind of pace. You might find that much more their speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they work great for all levels of developers. They're great when you're starting out. They're great, like we were just talking about, whenever you've built up a lot of stress around the other projects you have and you need something to explore for fun. So bonsai projects are great for everybody uh, at pretty much any level. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, so I think I've... That's all I've got to say on Bonsai games right now. Um, anything else from you, Calvin? No, um, I think 
right. I think that um, this is a good, concise, and um, well curated conversation about sm- good, concise, well curated games. Yep, this is the bonsai of bonsai episodes. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's more of a simile than a metaphor. Hey, I guess we're talking about what we've been up to lately, game dev wise. Yeah, well, I can give mine really quick because it is that I have done um, nearly nothing, but for good reason. Um, like I mentioned on the last episode, I did pick up all this new furniture and I spent the week uh, reorganizing and I'm still in the process of, I got everything set up and built. I got my new desks, my new shelves, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sort of building. I got my main development station. I've got an art desk I'm setting up. Um, and I got some more work to do, but that's that's taken up all my free time uh, through the week, and so I haven't really gotten any of that done. Uh, but I still have then the same goal for this next week um, that I intended to do and didn't get to, which was um, getting back to like building new new things for the game because I was building out all the this framework for uh, level design and stuff. So I still hope to build a new type of mushroom and a new type of Viking uh, within the next week, which will nice. be um, fun to build some new unit types and get a little more variety into that. So that's that's my that's the only goals I have for the next week because that should take um, a good chunk of work to do. Awesome. So for Anthotari, Maya, it's been steady progress, Pomodoro Day adding up, finding that pace still sustainable on top of, you know, still literally in a pandemic. Might increase that eventually. Uh, more bandwidth allowing. Um also out a Patreon update because that's time for that. Mentioned the first of the I mentioned before on the Patreon, taking all the earn, um, earnings to date this year from the Patreon at the time and giving it to uh, various causes related to Black Lives Matter and such. In this case, the Okra Project um, gave a portion of the earnings to that summer round. So look for more projects to give to. And let's mention that you'll all see the updates on patreon.com slash third truck, T H I R D T R U C K. You'll see the post there. Um, let's see, that's it for game dev. Oh, yeah, I mentioned, um, had a little fun figuring out how to turn a twine game into a PWA, progressive web app, so I can load it on my phone as if it was an application. So, no menu bar or anything, much more immersive experience. That's been fun. An excuse to learn more about CSS3 animations, which any web dev needs to know about. And that's it for game dev updates. So I'll talk about watching, reading, whatnot. Let's see. And I started watching Brad, a brand new animal on Netflix. Um, enjoying that so far. Unsurprising. I work on a furry game. Uh, what else was there? So I'm liking, oh, watching a little more. Do, uh, Dodo de Haro. No, sorry. Dodo de Dodo Hey Dodo. Uh, also on Netflix. Very much, definitely much darker setting than Brand New Animal or Animal Crossing. But interesting watch so far. Uh, that's the big stuff for me. Uh, how about you, uh, Calvin? Um, well, I've been. I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last update of uh, of media enjoyment, but I've been. Um, enjoying a rewatch of community which is i think the first time i rewatched it the whole time through like before 
I rewatched it before that all was complete with the weird extra gaps in between seasons. That's been really fun because that's one of my favorite shows of all time. And oh my god, no right? And bad, fantastic. <laughs> um, I've also um, a second season of uh, the Netflix show The Order has Ooh. come out. Um, and we've been working our way through that. It's very enjoyable. It's a show about a um, kid who wants to, he's trying to track down his, his father, who's part of a secret organization that he doesn't really know much about, but he knows he's up to something shady, finds out that it's actually a secret organization of wizards Whoa. who use magic to gain influence and power and money. Uh, and then he also accidentally becomes a werewolf. <laughs> and the show goes way off the rails after that, and it's fantastic. And um, since I, I, I've been watching that because I don't want to completely finish uh, Magicians. I, I only have a couple episodes left on that fourth season, and I have to wait until Netflix gets season five, which will be the last season ever. So I'm like, now I've gotten all hesitant about finishing it. I hear you. There's multiple um, games where I've gotten really close to the end and not actually finished it. Why you want to see? And and for even more cheesy magic, I have finally started reading the Dresden Files novels. I, I just picked up the first one. Um, I've never read them before, even though I, I did really enjoy the short-lived show on on Sci-Fi Channel a long time ago. And there is another series of books that um, is always said to be very very similar, uh, which is the uh, Nightside novels my favorite series of novels of all time. Uh, so I felt like it's time to dig into these old things and, and try them out. Like they're not super old, but you know, I, I just, for whatever reason, never got into them, even though it's exactly up my aisle. So yeah. it's almost time for the next one. They're still coming out. Long. Yeah. There's like one that's about to come out. It hasn't already. Another one still in the works after that. Yeah. So that's I've, great. I enjoy Dresden Files, and when I got into them, I mainlined them. So, basically, Dresden Files is my community. Have you also read? Um, have you also read Night Side novels? Uh, no, I haven't. If you like Dresden Files, I know you should absolutely pick those up. One thing, one reason oh, no. I know I would love to read Dresden Files is because the authors of Dresden Files and Nightside novels they always review each other's novels. Like they, they're both on like the back cover, you know, with glowing reviews of each other's novels because they're so similar and they they get along. So if you like one, you'll like the other. Nice. Ooh. Yeah, sounds very fun. Another investigator. All right. Another recommendation from this show. Oh, speaking of which, I'm still reading uh, Atomic Habits. That's been interesting so far. Um, like a very tactical advice on developing maintaining new habits and getting rid of old habits so looking forward to finishing that later it's it's a pretty um standard and cliche um recommendation for productivity books but i am actually rereading uh getting things done which yeah um which i have always been a huge fan of and i've never actually reread it cover to cover since the first time i explored it so i i kind of felt like it was time to do that um, because I, I need to sort of just revisit and, and stamp things down. Life is chaotic lately, and I need... I'm trying to work on more explicit productivity, but also making it a little less stressful and, and being able to do it with less effort because I, I need that right now. Yeah. So I think that I, it's the time do. whenever I need to revisit this. 
you know, there's a reason GTD keeps getting recommended. That's because it's it can be so effective as a system. It's like there's yeah. actual meat there. Um, it's not a solution, and you know, it says I've fallen out of habit with it, but I keep meaning back into it. But yeah, it's a very solid technical advice getting things done. Yeah, it's also a fantastic sort of a base or um, an anchor for whatever system makes you work well. Um, yeah. You know, you don't have to adhere 100% to any anything you read. Uh, but it, it is it is something that is simple enough and also is just well explained enough that you can use that to put together the workflows that work for you. Exactly. Mix and match whatever you like. Keep what works for you. Discard what doesn't. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up for today? Um, no, I just like I said, I've been doing all this furniture building and office cleaning, so I really hope to have some new um, game development work to explore or to share uh, next week. Um, I have realized that over the last few months, I think that focus and productivity-wise, I've taken more of a hit than I realized. Oh yeah, and. I either need to adjust my expectations or my workflow or both to meet in the middle. And I'm trying to figure out what that means right now. And uh, maybe, maybe that'll be a topic that we could talk about again. We talked about, we had an episode about uh, generally everything uh, very early on. I think it would be worth talking about again now that we're several months in and looking to be a long way from the end. Oh, yeah. At least so. Yeah, that's one thing to remember. We're still the world is still under pandemic conditions. So your expectate your productivity, royally speaking, um, so everyone listening to your your reasonable expectations for productivity are going to decrease until things really stabilize because you're still under uncommon external strain. So yeah, expecting you, yourself to be as productive as you were six months ago, impractical. I think to be as productive as you were two, three months ago is still impractical. And it's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to go down lower um, for a while yet because we're not, we didn't just finish with this, even if people are reopening. So that's something to make sure the part of self-care is adjusting expectations. And I don't know how much one can do that with one's employer or the like, but I think you need to too soft in that blow is going to be yeah. good for you long-term. Same way, you I, like I, if you get sick, your exercise routine is going to change to reflect mm-hmm. um, well, your condition. I, I want to say I I have fantastic support from everybody above me at work, and and nice. I have I actually work is some of my least source of stress right now, huh. um, and so I'm, I'm very lucky there. That's that's been a godsend to have um, a place where I feel. All of this is very well supported, but what I'm also realizing is this is going to be too long to consider temporary. Yeah. And if it's not temporary, I do need to find some way to mitigate the impact on on my life and on what I uh, do and what I'm able to. Uh, not not for just like a always got to be productive mindset, but for a this can't derail the things that I want to do because I get rewarded internally for them so while i do have to adjust expectations i also have to adjust what how i'm accommodating that so that i can meet somewhere between my previous expectations and the adjusted ones or or the current 
um, not my, I have to adjust my expectation to be between where I was before and where I am right now. Yeah. I can definitely do better than I have been, but that is still going to be different. Maybe not less, but different. That's the other thing is maybe the things you can be productive in or the things that you need to enjoy right now are different than they were before. Yeah. It may not be less. It could even be more all this extra time we, many of us have, but it might just have, look yeah. very different. Yeah, it's like it's easy so, to forget that like so you see someone's social media post about like why aren't you learning a second language right now? It's like it's really stressful being a pandemic. That eats up a lot of brain space and bandwidth. And like if you have everyone else in your household is stuck at home as well, not able to work or not able to go to school, that's people you have to attend to, regardless of how much you want to quote unquote be productive under circumstances. So yeah, definitely don't feel bad about not being extra productive under emergency conditions like we don't expect people to like power read through books they're um laid up in the hospital like sure maybe catch up on some tv but no one's gonna be working on a dissertation as of outlier cases um if they're in the hospital with a severe sickness or just got out of er right so I hope we can maybe, um, and we'll talk about this after the episode, and maybe I'll even cut this part out to say that we should schedule um, a follow-up episode about pandemic productivity and focus yeah. and lifestyle. It'd be good timing, yeah. So I think that that's that. Are we good for today? Did we get Here everything? We so, yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening to Side Quiz Completed. Uh, see you next time. Yes, uh, been a great conversation. Um, it meandered on a yeah. bit at the end because everything feels meandering in life today, uh, but it was oh, still yeah. good, and I look forward to talking with you again next week. Uh, you too. Thank you for listening to the Side Quest Completed podcast. If you aren't subscribed, find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or at our website, sidequestcompleted.com, where you can find all our episodes and an invite link to our new Discord server.